Hello and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to navigate the workplace, business, and your career with a little more ease and a lot less angst. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beck, and I am very excited to have a super special guest in the studio live with us today, Ashley Bossy Lubetkin. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm just sitting here so proud of you, of all the work that you do and all the good work that you're putting out to help people like me running their business feel better and do it with more grace and more ease. Well, that is very sweet. Way to make me tear up before we even start. I appreciate that. And no, that wasn't a plant. And I really, (laughs) yes, I am getting emotional. That means a lot, particularly because Ashley is a very, very dear friend of mine, which makes today even a little bit sweeter. And by way of background, Ashley Bossy Lubetkin is CEO of Bossy Lending. It's a company that provides bridge loans to developers in and around Texas. She's grown up in the real estate space and, like I said, is a very near and dear friend. And I couldn't be more thrilled that you've graced our podcast with your presence today. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, So before we dig in to everything we've talked about, do you mind giving the listeners a sense of your background? Of course. So I my professional career started in New York City, working for very prominent developers, developing residential buildings that was a very fun and sexy job because we were working on these gorgeous high rises that you know you see on Bravo TV shows and it was great and I was working a ton and I really you know I look back and I definitely was that person that glorified being so busy and working all the time and working 7 days a week And that part of my career lasted about seven years. Towards the end of it, I was at a job that wasn't fulfilling me. I kept saying, once I get married, I was was planning my wedding. Once I get married, I will start looking for a new job. And then I got married. And I was like, once I go on my honeymoon, I'll look for a new job. And I just wasn't doing it. And finally, my my performance was not good because I was not motivated. And finally I got let go. And at the time it was the biggest ego bust ever. I mean, my, my life was my career. It was like my, my identity and I was young, but like, that's how I valued myself. And so it was the biggest ego issue ever. But at the same time that day when I got let go after work. I remember I went and got a manicure, pedicure. My husband was like, where are you? I'll come meet you. Are you okay? And I was like, I'm great. And I think I felt so free. And it was like the universe telling me, if you're not going to do this, we're going to do it for you. And so from there I started looking, I was already looking for jobs. And then I started looking for more jobs. Nothing was fitting. Nothing felt good. And so My dad gave me the idea. He was like, you and your husband have saved up some money. Why don't you start lending it out? Like while you're looking for a job, start lending your money out. And I was like, what do you mean lend it out? Like who's going to pay me interest? He was like, people pay interest to private lenders. Gave me this whole idea of lending our money out, making 10 to 12, 13% interest on it to real estate investors in, in return for a first lien position. So I my husband and I was like, give me all your money. (laughs) 
Knowing your husband, I'm sure he loved that. It's like, give me your money. They're going to pay us 12% interest and we're going to give them a loan. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, just give me your money. Just give me your money. And so I started doing that. I had a couple of loans out. So I started making money. Like that was my, my father's way of being like, I'll help you kind of guide you make, to make some money while you're li- literally unemployed. Um, and I kept doing that and I kept interviewing and the interviews, nothing felt good. Nothing about just taking some job. And so I kept doing more loans and talking to my friends about it. And then someone's, someone's dad invested with me. Um, and then it kind of kept going from there and I started making money and I was like, Hmm, should I just like only do this? <laughs> like I, I just, you know, I started getting clients. I just, I had no clue what I was doing. I kept, you know, call, I was like, would call like lawyers to kind of figure out what to do from the legal side, but I had no clue what I was doing. And that was about seven years ago, six years ago. And fast forward to today, we have done probably over a thousand loans. I've, I stopped counting. I said I never would stop counting, but I did. <laughs> um, we have, you know, many investors. We have a large credit facility. We have, a, I have employees and been great and I am finally that person I used to say like who who works out at 9 30 like who goes to the gym at 9 30 who goes to a workout class at 9 30 and for a long time I was doing that now I'm now I'm so busy that it stresses me out so I go at eight but eight is way better than 6 a.m I used to go at 6 a.m to work out and now I'm an 8 a.m workout kind of person um which probably should get pushed to 7 a.m but it's okay um balance and I work um, in sweatpants and I love it. And it's really cool. One of my favorite things about this podcast is I get to meet really interesting people. And I've also been fortunate to have really wonderful friends who have done very cool things and have been willing to share their experiences. And it's such a gift to be able to sit across from you and hear your story. This is when I get to be a little mushy gushy with you, but to hear your story and hear how everything came to fruition and the vulnerability with which you're telling it. And it's just amazing to be able to be here on the other side and celebrate your success with you. Thank you. And there's so many amazing points that you just brought up in your journey not least of which, and I want to start with this, is how you glorified being busy. Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell you how many times I text a friend just to catch up. How you doing? So busy. Yep. So busy. Everybody's mm-hmm. so busy. And I've done it too. And there is this trap of the glorification of busy. Mm-hmm. So what did that look like for you at that point in time? Well, I want to start by saying it's a work in progress because oftentimes even you call me and I'm busy, right? <laughs> Fair. But um, at the time it would be, it was working Saturdays, Sundays. It was visiting, you know, construction sites. It was always checking my phone. It was just really putting work, I think, above everything else. So that I feel like, I think the energy behind in which you're busy is so important because it's, it's checking your phone when you're somewhere else. It's like, like checking your email constantly. It's, you know, we're, I don't think you're ever not busy, but now today I'm not in the office and I'm not in the office and I will take limited phone calls and 
you know, I might lose some business and I hope I don't, but I can't do everything and be everything. And life is too short to be trying to balance, trying to juggle it all. You get nothing accomplished and you have, and you feel no joy in it. It sounds like you're talking about being present. Yes. So can you clarify what you mean, the energy behind being busy? Sure. I think, I feel that oftentimes we're busy because we're trying to avoid whatever's in front of you and you're not being present, but you're the energy of just being busy to either avoid your spouse or avoid sitting and taking your parents to dinner or like, I just think there's like a lot of energy in, in you can be busy, but you can be, you can be like great graceful about it or you can be busy and like be anxious and also have that like self-importance, like that, like my busyness is more busy than yours. It's like a busier, busy than yours and like more important, you know? Yeah. So almost a competition. Yeah. So it's, is it ego behind the busyness or is it productivity behind the busyness? Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you and I were talking last night. So fun fact, Ashley is staying at our house this weekend. And when her flight landed and she came into my house, I was on the help desk with QuickBooks going crazy about my accounting. And I'd been doing it for hours and da 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 And it was what, 1030 at night, mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I was very busy, but I was also in the groove. Yeah. It was about having something to accomplish. Yep. And that also gets to the the not sexy things about being an entrepreneur. Totally. Right. But I completely resonate with what you're talking about. You know, are you busy to avoid? Yep. Are you busy to deflect? Is it a defense mechanism? Or are you busy for a purpose? Yeah. Are you busy? Are you telling me you're busy because you're important and you're needed? Well, and that's a great segue to what you had also brought up about ego Mm -hmm. and how you had tied your identity up in what you did for a living. Yeah. I graduated from college and I went straight into this job. Literally, they hired me like a week after I graduated. I had moved to New York. My, My now husband was living in New York. So I was like, going to New York to boyfriends there, um, moved into the apartment was, you know, in the interview process with this job, they offered me a job for like literally no money. I was so excited. They're like, can you start Monday? And I was like, uh, I need a week because I have no work clothes. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to J crew and bought a bunch of like black pants and kind of make me cringe of thinking of what I was wearing. The New York work uniform. Yeah. And started work. And then I, you know, what else was my value on? I didn't know what my, like what your, I was, when I got let go, I was 28 or 29, about to turn 29. And I didn't, what else was my net, my worth on? Like at one point in my life, my worth had been like tied to my weight. So I didn't want to go back there. Now it was like on the important importance that people needed me, that my work was good, that I was smart, that I was like working on these cool jobs, and you know, and I was making money and I was needed and I was busy and now I all of a sudden wasn't busy at all and not needed and actually not wanted and not making money. So it was like, who am I? A fall from grace. Yeah. An identity crisis. Yeah. It was weird, you know, and it's like embarrassing, 
like not to not to be needed or wanted is a is a form of rejection and no one wants to be rejected. How do you think you ultimately came through that experience? It's interesting looking back because I do truly remember that afternoon getting let go and literally still I had booked an expensive manicure pedicure and so I couldn't not go to the appointment (laughs) and I went and I was like oh man how am I going to tell my parents I got let go (laughs) but I really felt like I did feel like it was a blessing like I remember a coworker calling and being like are you okay blah 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 and he was like you sound great like you're fine and I was like yeah I am and I Definitely have like the belief system of like being guided. And of course, like I like ebb and flow with that because when things are going well, it's like, yeah, I'm being guided. And when things aren't, you're like, everything's a mess. Yeah. But I think I, I mean, it was probably, it was painful. And I don't even like, I don't think you probably even know I got let go because I don't like talk about it. I don't think I did actually. Yeah. I don't like, I don't advertise it because it is embarrassing, even though I'm making, I mean, way more than I was making at that job. I have a way better schedule. My life is way better. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting. And I think, you know, you with work in general, especially I think for you as well, I think we've spoken about it. It's like, how do you have an identity that's in the, that's independent of the money you bring in and what your work is? Because our life, much of our time is is taken up by our careers. So how do you like, how do you balance who you are with, with that? You're bringing up such a good point too, which is that so many of these things really trigger deep seated emotions in us, right? Like what you're talking about rejection. Mm-hmm. I think most people don't like the feeling of being rejection, re- rejected, Correct. right? It's not a, it's not a good feeling Correct. to feel not wanted. Yeah. And that's very visceral. That's very human. And when you put that in a work context, which is the way that somebody makes their living, provides for themselves, provides for their family, it can be even more meaningful in that way. And I'm resonating with a lot of what you're saying because for so long, my identity was caught up in work. Mm -hmm. And I saw my value as the fact that I worked on Wall Street and I, you know, did this and I did that and I got to do these cool things. It was sexy. Yeah. And fun fact, Ashley and I actually competed against each other on the acquisition of a building. I think we won one and you won the other. Correct. Yeah. We won the better one, I think. Oh gosh. Well, we don't need to get into it. But again, sexy, like cool, brag about it. I'm so busy, like all these things. But, but you're right. It's all ego. Totally. And I think what I've learned at least for me, that was because I was living according to someone else's definition of success. I had never taken the time to really think about what success meant to me. I was living by either societal or cultural or familiar, familial, whatever you want to call it, expectation of success as being tied to money and power and, you know, prestige. Mm -hmm. And when I actually took the time to assess what was important to me, a lot of those things were less important than I thought they were. That makes sense. Do you think you went through a reckoning of what was important to you in this process? Absolutely. I think that 
one, I think I had to re-establish what work looked like and like what making money looked like because I was used to, like I said, getting up at 5.30, working out, working 12 hours, coming home, eating, going to sleep, doing it again. And part of that, I look back at my childhood and my parents would do the same thing. They would get up at 5, 5.30, work out in the home gym we had because we were sleeping still, wake us up after they had worked out, leave, you know, leave for work, work the entire day. Sometimes they work Saturday and or Sundays. And to them, that's what the work life looked like. So I had immense guilt when I first started doing this business and wasn't so busy, like didn't have a 40 hour week load, but was still making enough money that I was like, I'm okay. And going to a nine o'clock class, like I felt so guilty. I felt like, I felt like this, I don't, this is not okay. Like, it's not okay to do this. Like, I need to be working more. I need to be sitting in front of the computer more. Um, And I felt, I didn't, and then, and then part of it was like, I was working maybe 20 to 30 hours a week. I was still, like I said, making more money than my salary before, working at 9 a.m. And I didn't feel fulfilled because I wasn't busy enough. I, my mind wasn't distracted enough. So I started volunteering, actually. This was before COVID. started volunteering um, at the Ronald McDonald House because I needed like more meaning and purpose in my, in my week. And it was me and all these like older ladies that like were well, like past retirement. And they were like looking at me like, why are you here? <laughs> and it was because I felt like I wanted to do more and give back more and like needed more connection, I think. Um, so it, it took me a long time to get into the groove of working for myself and like redefining what I wanted my life to look like and being okay with it. That makes a lot of sense to me because when I first launched my business, I had the exact same feelings of guilt. Yeah. Because I went from getting picked up at 4.30 in the morning in an Uber to fly to some state Mm -hmm. three hours away to do presentations, go to lunches, to fly back and get home at 11.30. And then all of a sudden, you almost feel indulgent that you can sleep past seven in the morning. Oh, yeah. It's really a weird feeling. You can't even enjoy it. Very strange. Yeah. Which is ironic, right? Because you want this thing. Yeah. And then when you finally get it, you prevent yourself from enjoying it. Yep. So how did you learn to find comfort in it? Done a lot of self-help work. Let's not pretend that I haven't. Um, Through therapy and meditation and just a ton of work on myself. I have pretty much my entire life since I was 15 done some sort of um, self-help work. And that really helped me redefine what it looked like for me and not feel the external pressure as much, you know, from my family, from my husband, when my husband is getting up at five something in the morning and he asks like, what time's your alarm tomorrow? And I say seven. He's like, must be nice. I'm like, that is not a helpful comment. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think it's just like continuously, it's a, it's a muscle you have to, to flex, you know, you have to work, you have to work at it. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. And I love this visual of getting laid off, being so disappointed, being so embarrassed, which I think shame is something that comes up with job loss a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But then knowing that you're going to be okay Mm -hmm. and feeling like, I love what you said. The universe said, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it for you. Yeah. And 
One of my favorite sayings is sometimes the best gifts come in crappy packaging. Oh, I love that. And I felt I've seen that in my life. Of course. Because sometimes you just need a push. Yeah. Right. And so it seems congruent with this theme that's coming up through everything you're saying, which is perspective and perception. And that perception is reality. And you ultimately have control over the perception you choose to take in any given situation. Absolutely. So I want to go back to this idea that you said about you kept pushing off what you wanted. You kept Mm -hmm. saying, okay, well, once I get married, then I'll find a new job. Once I do this, then I'll find a new job. And I think that's something a lot of people can resonate with. Of course. Because it's it's another type of avoidance, right? Of course. Just like what we were talking about before. What do you think fueled that? Well, comfort, people, like comfort is the ultimate detriment, I think, in the human society. Because if you're comfortable, you're not going to make a change. We're getting philosophical, people. No, but I just think that that if you're comfortable, like I was listening to a podcast actually recently and someone said, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is work out because working out's hard. And if you want anything, it's going to be hard. So I might as well just get that out of the way. The rest of the day will look easy compared to that, even though it's not. Like if you're constantly comfortable, then you're not pushing yourself enough, whether that's in the gym, whether that's at the office, whether that's in your career. I mean, you have to live somewhat on the edge where starts to get uncomfortable. I'm even doing that now in my business. We're expanding our team and the real estate market looks different today than it did a year or two years ago with interest rates going up and the housing market slowing. And we have to, we've had to make changes and I have to, if I stay comfortable, then what am I doing? Right. So it's just, you know, when you're comfortable, you just easier to stay put. Constant self-improvement. Yeah. You have to continuously push yourself. And so now I am much more in line with that. Like I'm looking at, I set, I do annual goals. I do quarterly. I do even monthly, just like goals and intentions. And we're constantly looking onto how we can expand um, in all different areas, not just business, but my personal life, um, my, my charity work that we do. I'm on a board of a charity that I'm like really passionate about. So it's like, doing all these different things of how we can, how I can continuously expand my life and even my day. Like by, I said earlier in the podcast, I want to get up earlier. And it's because I'm now choosing that because I want more time in my day to do more of the things I want to do. Well, and it sounds like that goes back to what you said earlier about purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you find what brought meaning to your life? I'm still finding it. (laughs) (laughs) I. I, I love what I do because what I do, you could look at it two ways. I am a lender lending out money to real estate investors who are buying and fixing up, you know, buying and flipping homes, you know, the HGTV kind of model, or you could look at it as if I am lending out money to real estate investors who in the process are making money for themselves, making money for their contractors, making money for their real estate agents, making money for their title companies, making, you know, eventually selling a home to a family. Like they're like the money I'm lending out is employing 
so many people, like it's touching so many lives and it's helping people make money in so many different ways and giving opportunities to people that might not otherwise have had those opportunities. So I love that. Like when I, I love that I can, I can do that. And I've seen the success people have had. I've had clients come to me seven years ago and now they don't need me anymore because they've made so much money. And that's really cool. They probably have more money than me. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's incredible because it all goes back to the perspective shift yeah. that we were just talking about. Yeah. And sometimes that is the only change someone needs to make. Absolutely. It's how they're looking at their situation. Absolutely. But it's, I mean, when you're, you have to do it from a place of, you know, you have to do it from the right mindset because if you're down on yourself and you're really unhappy in your day to day, it's really hard to, to have that shift, but it's really just a small, it's a small shift and it's like small daily, like small little things. Like what? I mean, this morning I got up and I meditated and I journaled about what I'm grateful for. That's what I do that every single morning. And I moved for 20 minutes in my bedroom. Like I try to do things to get me like awake and alive and like in this moment. And it's just like constant reminders that also I'm not a brain surgeon. So it's not, I don't take it that seriously at the end of the day. Like I, that like the world will go on. It's not life or death. Thank God for me. And that I just need to like enjoy more about being present. I need to enjoy more of the present moment. Cause usually when you're unhappy, you're either thinking about the past or you're worried about the future. So spoken like someone who's been in therapy. Absolutely. Takes one to no one. Yeah. But it's true. Like whenever you're, whenever I'm scared of something, I'm scared of something that's not happening. Yeah. So, and I'm, and I still have it, but you know, I'm still scared of what's going to happen in the market, but I have to just work on what I know and do the best that I can. When we were in the car driving over here, we were talking about this idea of resilience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like exactly what you just said about perspective mm -hmm. and what you had said earlier about constantly pushing yourself and living on the edge and continuing to grow, it goes back to this idea of building resilience. Yes. And through the practice of resilience or exercising that muscle, as you put it, you can push yourself and it almost seems like ultimately grow, uh, grow confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what you've done is taken a huge leap. Yeah. You I started have. a company out of nothing. Yeah. By accident. By accident. By going and asking your husband, hey, I'm no. taking our money and yeah. I'm starting a company. And I'm lending it out and like, let's pray for the best. <laughs> That's pretty. And fortunately it's worked out. It's been great. So let's transition to your path in entrepreneurship. Okay. What challenges have you faced in launching your own business that surprised you the most? I think I have learned every hard lesson. I think one lesson that comes up to me is I think that being true to my word, like being, being really true to my word, even if I the next day maybe want to take it back is a hard lesson I've learned that I used, I, for a time period when the market was uncertain, I would go back on my word and I learned that lesson the hard way. So I think that when you put your name on something, you have to really truly stick to what you say that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Even if 
And whatever you say you're going to do most likely is never going to change your business, even if it scares you a little bit. You know, if you say something, you overpromise, you have to stick to it. And you have to deliver. You have to deliver. So you mentioned earlier that you had no idea what you were doing and you just figured it out. Oh, yeah. How did you figure it out? So I started lending to a couple borrowers that I found. I put uh, I put out, I got on a website that just like listed lenders and they reached out to me. So I started working with them. I hired a legal team to help me draft the documents. And I started speaking and I started networking. I'm trying to think even what did I, you know, you forget what all the little steps you take, but it's all these little steps. It wasn't one thing I did to get, you know, to start doing this, but I would, I would call brokerages, but it was really through referral and it was so organic, which is why I never ended up getting a job. I was not trying to not get a job. It was really like an organic growth. It was like one step after another that I just kept oh, you need a loan here. Oh, you want another loan? And then, you know, you have a friend that needs a loan. And then another friend, oh, you want me to come speak at your brokerage office to 50 agents? Okay, great. And then, you know, you want me to talk to so-and-so? And then I just kept doing it. And the first two years were very much just figuring it out as I went. And then I hired someone to to help me. And then even just, I mean, it's been two years now that we, you know, we made maybe three years, we made like a big investment into software. We slowly just started adding things in. You know, we have a couple legal teams now, not just one. We have software. We we just have more processes in place, but it took, I hired someone full-time at one point that was not the right move and I had to let her go. And that was a lesson that was hard. What was the lesson? One, that it's okay to do that. And two, that you need to be really clear on, on the job that you're hiring for and, and on how to, you know, and, and the, who you're hiring and like what you want that to look like because the person was working remotely. It was just very, it was very different. And it was at a time where I probably wasn't quite ready to not be busy and she was taking a lot of the work off my plate. Mm. Now at this point, I'm looking at other ways to grow the business where I want some of that work that she was taking off to be taken off my plate. So it's clarity on roles and responsibilities, but it also sounds like being really honest with yourself about what you want and need at that moment and not going too fast. Yeah. Because I mean, I felt like I needed somebody, but maybe I really, you know, at the time didn't. And I was so, you know, I let her go and I gave her a very nice severance package, but I was also so scared to do it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's okay. Like businesses at this point, like not that they ebb and flow, but, but it's like I said before, it's like not life or death. And she is now in a role that is way better suited for her where she's not working remotely. Like I know like she's in a way better place too. So, um, but it was like a very painful moment. Yeah. Well, success, business, whatever you want to call it, it's all nonlinear. Yeah. It's not at all. I mean, and I've seen that within my business with, with the real estate market during COVID, why a lot of businesses struggled, real estate, you know, 
went crazy. Like mm-hmm. I, I say it was Christmas for two years and it was easy. Like it was easy. You had to be really dumb not to make money during COVID in the real estate market. So my job was really easy. And now it's, it's harder. It's mm-hmm. harder conversations. It's, you know, looking deeper, doing more work, the same or less amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's a challenge. So in a way, is it a step back? No, it's just, it looks different. It's an evolution. Yeah. And it's always going to do that. Like I have to, if I can't get comfortable with the ups and downs, then I can't be in this business. Well, markets are cyclical. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Every market is cyclical. Yep. And let's also be very clear, you know, what started as small has also exploded. Mm -hmm. So this is where I get to toot your own horn. Okay. I mean, you have outside investors, you have you know, you're dealing with raising fund vehicles. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of complexity and you have a lot on your plate. So it's amazing that you've been able to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty in terms of figuring out how to do all that. Thank you. So that's really cool. And it sounds like part of the way you figured it out was not only just doing it and going through the motions and learning what you knew and what you didn't know, but also surrounding yourself with people who could guide you in your blind spots Mm -hmm. and people who could open doors for you for opportunity. Absolutely. And I think that's something that's applicable to all areas of business, whether you're starting your own company, whether you're in an organization, whether you're thinking about changing industries, it's just sound advice. Yes. And I wish I would have done this sooner because even when I was at my job, my dad, who has been the biggest advisor and supporter. Um, he's not an investor. My parents, I have my family. I've said, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, (laughs) but if I had a board, he'd be on it. He was telling me for years to do this. Like you and your husband have money sitting, not a lot, but we had some money sitting. Why don't you lend it out? Like it's sitting in the bank. And I was like, I'm working at this day job. I don't have time for this. And I wish I would have like expanded my eyes at that point and been like, I can do more than one thing at one time because I could have started this sooner or I could have been, it would have maybe just looked different. But when I went, when I was at my job, my old job, I thought that was like the end all be all. Well, it also sounds like you weren't in the right side of mind to do something like this. No, but I just wish, you know, I guess I just look back and I think like, you know, life can look so many different ways. And I think that a lot of times when you're working at a salaried job that you think you can't have other things going. Well, what you're talking about is looking for the opportunity and the possibility where it may not exist and being open. Yeah. Right. And without being open to that, nothing will change. Correct. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about living on the edge and constantly improving and constantly growing and thinking about how you can push yourself forward. Totally. So as we wind down, okay. I want to rapid fire two questions to you, Ashley. All right. The first is because we've been speaking a lot about identity and tying ego to jobs and things like that. If someone is in the midst of an identity crisis, what's the first step that you recommend they take to find themselves? I would say a journaling out what you're grateful for. Start right there. Like, look right in front of you what what you're grateful for and start basic. Like, what's my identity? I'm a wife. 
I'm a daughter, I'm a sister. Go from there. Like just start basic. Like we're all humans. We're all trying to do the best. We all have imposter syndrome. We all are scared. We're all insecure. We're like, we have all those things. We all have all those feelings all the time. And we have other feelings too. Yeah. And we're all a lot more similar than we are dissimilar. Totally. But I just think it's like coming back to like what you're grateful for. Like, look at the basics. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm really happy that like my hot water kettle worked for my tea. Like, it's like the little things. I don't know. Like if, if not, like that doesn't always happen for everybody, you know? Right. I'm like really happy that the sidewalk's even in New York so that I can, you know, walk around and whatever it may be. No slip and falls. Exactly. I mean, maybe I'm clumsy, but. <laughs> All right. Next question. Take this however you will. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? That I'm resilient. That I can like, I can handle it. I love that. Yeah. You can take care of yourself. I can take care of myself. Yeah. And it sounds like in a lot of ways that crappy packaging yeah. of getting let go helped you learn that. Yeah. And if this business doesn't work out or if it doesn't feel like it serves me anymore, I'll figure something else out. Yeah. I'll be okay. That's great. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was such a great conversation, unsurprisingly. And I so appreciate how open and vulnerable that you've been in this conversation about your feelings and thoughts associated with all these different pivots in your life. Um, and so I just thank you. Thank you. And as always, thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of Worked Up. Look out for new episodes on Tuesdays. Obviously, we have wonderful guests in the studio with us. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave reviews. And please connect with us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting, on our website, www.jacquelinebeckconsulting.com, or email us at info at JacquelineBeckConsulting.com. That's Jacqueline, J-A-C-L-Y-N, Beck, B-E-C-K. See you next time. <laughs>